What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Perret, and today we have, I'm excited about this episode. This is with Jason Campbell, who is a meditation expert, a Zen music expert. This guy has been practicing music and wellness for over 45 years with over 100 albums released. I was just listening to his piano, uh, his Zen music before this, and Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. Honestly, it's probably going to replace what I listen to when I focus uh, in the mornings. Uh, it was phenomenal. So I'm going to just kind of leave the intro at that. I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Jason, and then we'll talk about how we got connected because it's uh, not the way I think most people would uh, would believe. Well, hey, thanks for having me on. And I think some of the things you just said, there's a... Uh... <laughs> there's a lot of stories we can talk about. So l- let me let me go back to the beginning. So 45 years ago, I was eight years old. And this was my introduction to meditation was my piano teacher. And my first lesson, little eight-year-old boy. So I sat down and she looked at me in her thick Russian accent. And she said, never listen to notes. Idiots listen to notes. Masters listen to the space in between the notes. Because when you listen to a note, your mind is cluttered. You hear nothing. When you listen to space or silence, your mind begets, becomes clear, and then you hear everything. So my entry point into music was playing one note, gong, and we would listen to that note, gong, like dissolve into nothingness and keep the attention, gong, and then we would just keep listening. And we started with that. And then, you know, a decade or so later, when I was formally trained in an ashram and I'd sit and be meditating for four hours, I realized I had already been meditating. We just didn't call it meditation. So we called it deep listening. And then uh, sometime later, I said to her, well, what happens if you're playing fast? You have all these fast notes and there's no space. And she you know, looked upon me disapprovingly and said, said, wow, you're so stupid. I'm <laughs> a child. <laughs> that was just the training. And she said, then you listen to the space underneath and you dial into that space. So it's kind of like looking at a canvas as opposed to the painting, or we could even make another analogy. It's like when you even look around, you look around in the room you're in, there's more space than form. The word exist is Latin, and it just means to stand out. To stand out of what? To stand out of nothingness or emptiness. And so you have the form, you have the emptiness, you have the sound, you have the silence, you have the uh, painting, you have the canvas, whatever analogy you want to use. But when you focus on the silence, your mind becomes very clear. And here's an analogy. And if you're just listening without visual, I'm holding a snow globe. And I shake the snow globe. And so we say, this is your head and this is your head on thoughts. Well, guess what? The snow globe is a turbid shit show. And a lot of times between the ears becomes a 
turbid shit show. I think it's estimated we have like 80 or 50 to 80,000 thoughts a day and 99% are the same thoughts we had yesterday. Well, when I make the snow globe still, the turbidity settles and then we have clarity. And ultimately, at its fundamental purest form, meditation is just stopping the voice in the head the thinking mind. And you think it's a monk sitting on a mountain or somebody chanting Om. Sure, that's one way, but it could be on your new Ducati going whatever insane speed you're going to go on that Ducati. There's no past. There's no future. The speed limit. The speed. Of course. What else could it possibly be? So, <laughs> But in that moment, that's a form of meditation. Or uh, we practice what we call Zen marksmen. And part of marksmanship is just you're completely there, you're completely present, you're completely in the moment. Zen archery is w whatever it is. I mean, we in our organization, we do swords. We do Iedo. And uh, we, we, uh, we do all the types of swords, but uh, katana. Is, I mean, there's the cutting of the katana, and we do it up in the mountains. And so your, your mind is very still. It's one pure cut, one beautiful cut, no past, no future. There's only now. And so there's many ways to get there. And we, we like to say there's three types of meditation, sitting, standing, and moving. We think of meditation as just a sitting meditation, but no, there's standing, moving. You can do all types of things. It's just having a gap in the voice in the head. How's that for an, a, a, a welcome intro? Oh, that's phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, that's everything you could want because that's exactly, uh, that's exactly what you know, how, I mean, that basically fits into how we got introduced and, and my thoughts on meditation. I mean, cause that's, that's my, been my struggle, right? I've, I've thought and tried to get into meditation for years. Cause people are like, dude, you got to meditate. Like you're chaotic. You're all over the place, your thoughts, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yeah, you're like, oh, meditation's so profound. And, and every time I think about it, what I think of is like 10 or 15 minutes of sitting on my couch, staring at a wall, doing and thinking of nothing. And like that just does not last for me right? because I, I'm like, That's right. dude, there's too much going on in life. And I'm, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm ADHD because I don't want to put that on myself, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm all over the place. I got things and ideas. I'm an idea guy. I'm a visionary. I'm, you know, the moment I sit down, it's like, it, it's hard. And I know that it comes with practice, but, uh, you know, so for me, the epiphany was, was months ago. We were talking about this before we recorded when I was sitting in my ice bath and, uh, you know, I was just breathing and I was just counting the breathing, right? Four in, hold for four, four out, hold for four, whatever. Yeah. And I realized, wow, this is like my version of like, this is it. I'm just, I'm yeah. at peace. And for five to 10 minutes in this cold water, I am, there's nothing but counting the breath and peace. And I feel, it. and people are like, oh, well, you know, there's health benefits or there's no health benefits. And I'm like, I don't care. Like I have 10 minutes of no phone, nobody can reach me, no thoughts. All I do is breathe and it's peaceful. And, uh, that was my time. Uh, but the whole reason that the way that we got connected was literally, you mentioned the Ducati, uh, Steve Sims was on the podcast. We were talking and he was talking about exactly this was, was he brought you up talking about, uh, meditation and how he didn't believe in it. And then <laughs> pointed out to him that he meditates every single day when he's on his motorcycle and he can't be reached and his helmet's on and he's ripping around on the motorcycle. And that's his time when he's connected with nothing but him in the road. And he's a master meditator. Absolutely. And so, so there's many paths 
up the mountain. And a lot of times when I work with uh, entrepreneurs or anyone who has a busy mind, which now is most people, not everybody, a lot of times starting with the sitting meditation creates more stress than bliss. It's like you sit there, okay, what the hell is going on here? I'm supposed to be meditating, but I got emails to return. Okay, this is a waste of time, but everyone tells me I should do this. This is something that should do this. And there was a study that said that this is good for me and everyone tells me this, but what the hell am I doing? So that becomes the inner dialogue and it winds up being worse. You're, it's like you you get out of it with more stress. That's, that, that, that's um, very, very typical. And so in that case... What we do is we don't start you with the sitting meditation. We usually start you with the breath because then you start to go through some breath work and the breath gives your mind something to focus on. And what you referenced is called sometimes box breathing or combat breathing, four seconds in, hold for four seconds, you know, four seconds out and then hold for four seconds. And that's a great, great entry level uh, breath movement to do. I mean, we have a whole series of different breath exercises. Ultimately, it's about putting you in the now because it's always you, you're always here, and it's always now. And the monkey mind, you see, if we think there's a, there's a wonderful teaching in the word human being, we have the human part, which changes moment by moment. Every seven years, every one of our cells has been completely replaced. But the being part doesn't change. So the little eight-year-old boy or eight-year-old girl that was the observer well, that observer is still exactly the same. That's the being. So we have the blah, 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 the monkey mind, the thoughts. But then we have that which observes the thoughts. And one of the keys to, I'm going to say uh, some inner peace, we can, we can call it, and, and we can go much deeper on this because it, it goes much deeper than inner peace, but, but go with me here, is activating the observer. So can you activate and just watch your thoughts because we think, well, there's this old saying, you are not your thoughts, which is true. Your thoughts are flow through. And what I said before, most of them are the same thoughts we had yesterday. So most of the thoughts that we have, were like a skipped record. We don't even need. And when you can drop those thoughts and come into no thought, even for a split second, it opens you up to a level of peace and a level of creativity that otherwise you can't get with a uh, like with a cloudy head or a full head. See, there's a big um, there's a big misteaching here. Everyone uses the word mindfulness. It's actually not correct. Everything in mindfulness is wrong, and most of the stuff probably that you've been taught in mindfulness is actually wrong. And, and let me explain this. I think it was 1912, right around there. There was a, a scholar, T.W. Davis, and he was transcribing or translating the Sanskrit. And a word came apart called sati. And he, the sati means awareness is a good word, but he translated it to be mindfulness. And then that word just stuck. But let's think about it. Mindfulness. Okay, do you really need more things in your head to create peace and to be happy? No, it's actually the empty, the opposite. We need mind emptiness. And so it, it's completely flipped on its head. And here's the other trick that you have to be aware of. I, 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 I used to think that it was like an evil Taoist master taught everybody wrong. So everybody would say, you have to work on being more mindful. Okay, that's, the, that, that's completely wrong. Everything about that sentence is wrong because 
mindful. Well, let's not be mindful. Let's be mind empty, which is another way of saying present or aware. And presence is not something you can work on. It's only something that you can experience in the now. So the moment you think you're working on being more present, I have to work on being more mindful. You're, you're done. You, it's, it's like a fish looking for water. If a fish is looking for water, you're never going to find water <laughs> because it's all around you right now. And so what's the trick? Well, there's many tricks to stop the thinking mind. When I was a teenager, I said to my martial art instructor, I said, hey, what's Zen? He looked at me, smiled, and then sidekicked me. True story. I went flying across the dojo. I hit the wall. I fell down. He looked at me, smiled again, and walked away and said nothing. <laughs> he was a great teacher. He gave me the experience of Zen. And while I was flying across the dojo, I even had a word for it. <laughs> that was my Zen word in the moment. <laughs> because there was no past. There was no future. There was only now. Winston Churchill has a uh, famous quote. He said, there's nothing more exhilarating than to be shot at without result. That's a form of Zen. He didn't use the word Zen, but we could use the word presence because there's no past. There's no future. There's only now. So next time you think of mindful, no, it's not mindful. It's mind empty or, but a better word is just present. Just, just present. That's an easier, easier word. <laughs> I, I and confirm when rounds are flying it's uh it's exciting i think exciting is one exhilarating is a good way to put it um don't know if i recommend that for most people i would agree with that let's 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 do some breath work instead shall we yeah, yeah definitely i think better ways uh, maybe getting kicked across a dojo um <laughs> oh and man so, all right. So, okay, I'm curious. I mean, a hundred plus albums, or, or you know, how? Obviously, you've been playing piano for a long time, and you're quite talented at it. And you've been in the. I mean this this is just sound sounds like been just something that's kind of consumed the vast majority of your life, the meditation and the the music side of um, everything. But along the journey. Like, I mean, I guess I'm just curious, like, how, how did you blend? I mean, mm. that, that's not like a, that's not like a, you know, a career, like that most people are like at eight years old, like, you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally going to become like this musical meditation wizard who, uh, makes a total career out of it. Like, that's not, you know, m most like the, not something that most people foresee as a occupation at a young age. So how did that come to be? And obviously you've done well with it. So I'm just curious, kind of, you know, take us on the journey. Okay. Well, uh, growing up, I was deep into the musical arts. Uh, I somehow had good teacher karma as a child. I was just around really, really talented people that, that, that guided me. Um, I went to music school. I went to Berkeley college of music in the eighties. Uh, so I, I got my whole music education, uh, very, very young. I mean, at age 17, I was torn around Europe playing the great organs and the great cathedrals. And so, so I did, I did all that stuff. And then I also got deeply involved in my late teens into, uh, Zen training, into martial art training, into, uh, sword 
training into yoga and the oriental medicine and really uh we can say you know Taoist spiritual cultivation and i can remember i think i was like 19 or 20 i remember where i was uh, i grew up in the boston area i live in phoenix now and i remember having this realization that it's all the same that whether you're swinging a sword or with a baton conducting an orchestra or playing a piano or fighting <laughs> as funny as that sounds it, it's all the same it's it, it it was it was cultivation and bringing out the spirit see see there's many paths up the mountain and there's many ways to get there and i just remember because i was a like assistant conductor of an orchestra out in boston so i'd have a baton and you know i was trained in in, in those arts i was trained in like film school film music and film scoring and it was the same whether it's a sword or a baton what's the difference it just becomes an extension of you and then this is an expression and this is an artistic expression so that became very clear to me then i had to, i took time off uh writing music professionally to raise a family and do all my zen training and build an organization and grow an organization uh, you know i had to take time off to, to do all that and then about 10 or so years ago i came back to it and saying okay i speak these two languages i know the language of the Tao. I, I know the five elements. I know what's called the I Ching. I understand these symbols. I, I, I understand how they represent patterns in nature. I, I know all of that. I speak that language. And I speak the musical language, which is really is 12 notes in the musical language. The technology changes. And I had to retool because all the technology I, I learned with a, on a uh, piano with a pencil and a piece of paper. So it was before all, all the this new technology. So, okay, I had to retool and learn a new toolkit, but the 12 notes were the same and the human condition was the same, same and the principles of vibration were all the same. Technology changes, but the moment you hit two rocks together, that's technology. That's music technology. So I always had the, the attitude that, you know, give me two rocks and a tape recorder, I'll make a great album. You know, the technology is the technology, whatever. It has nothing to do with that. That's just the tool. It's the, it's the creativity. And so I, I had an organization and I started writing uh, the music for our organization, just for all of our members to practice to and to breathe to. So it wound up being timed music. And then I started to teach the principle of what we call the five elements, which is really, it's okay, very simple principle. If you look around, things tend to organize themselves in five it's a natural number in nature. Look at your fingertips. Look at your toes. Look, we have five vowels. We have five senses. And there's a decimal system. Count that on your hands. In Oriental medicine, we have five sets of organs. And they figured this out thousands of years ago. And instead of calling it one, two, three, four, five, well, let's give it a poetic name. Let's call it wood, fire, earth, metal, water. But it's not literal wood. It's not literal fire. It's a metaphor. And it's just the metaphor for the repeating pattern. For example, we have sprouting, flowering, fruiting, falling, and transforming. Ah, okay, that's the five. We have the five senses. We have sight, touch, taste, smell, and sound. Ah, and each one of those are connected with an element. Um, this, it may be funny, but even in pop music, it's I want you, I miss you, I need you, let's party and social commentary is all of pop music. 
and we can connect one of those elements. And we can, in medicine, we can connect the organs to the different elements. All of acupuncture and all of oriental medicine is based on this principle. Now, just as a fun little fact, there's actually, we say, there's five with a mysterious sixth. We have five senses with the mysterious sixth sense. We have five vowels with the mysterious sixth. Uh, and again, back to the medicine, we have five sets of organs with this mysterious sixth organ. We call it pericardium and triple warmer. And so where does that come from? Well, we say six energies hit the ground, five reflect back up. And that's the reason time is done on a numeric of six and form is done in a numeric of five. So we have 60 seconds, 24 hours, 12 months. Like you can't fit time into five. Time has to be six because of the six energies. But looking around, we fit everything into five. So we have this five, you'll see it repeating with this mysterious sixth that just kind of shows up. And so, okay, but back to your original question, then what was my journey? And then it just evolved. And then one album turned into two, turned into nine, turned into 18, turned into, it just keeps going. And then what I do is a new album, the fourth Friday of every month, I release a new album. And then I have multiple other projects. I do the, uh, I'm the music director of a VR company. I do sleep music with actually a few different companies. I, I write all their sleep music. I'm uh, writing the music for the Vatican NFT right now. I'm, I'm deep in the, the Michelangelo and all the Sistine Chapel and, you know, creating all that into music and putting all that into sound, going back to the Latin, some of the, you know, old Latin sayings and with choirs and operas. And it's oh, so much fun. Awesome. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, and connecting it, and, and it's like in connecting uh, Michelangelo's teaching of I don't know if you're familiar with the Sistine Chapel, but there's nine stations that he did, and connecting all of that into creation, and then turning it into sound for an NFT. Uh, one of my favorite projects ever. That's cool. It's <laughs> a lot. Every fourth Friday. Yeah, man, that's intense. I mean, that's a well, lot of. Yeah, well, it's multiple different projects. Like uh, this coming Friday. Now, I, by the time this podcast is aired, this album will have, would have already come out. But it's called New Opera uh, Primal. And what we did on this project, we flipped opera on its head. Traditionally, opera is an external drama that expands. And so I thought, well, what if we? What does that look like upside down? Well, let's look at your internal drama and dissolve it. And it's dissolved through deep listening. So I took this Vedic mantra, very old mantra of the planets. There's nine planets in, um, according to the, the, the Vedics. And each one has a mantra. Think of it as like nine gods, nine mythological gods. And they each have a story. They have a strength. They have a weekend that weakness. They're not all good. It's like Marvel characters. Almost. There's some dark ones <laughs> among the nine. And we scored them in these little three minutes short stories all but but not a story is in a uh, in english story it's it's a mantra so it lets your imagination and your mind go to start to drop into the into the now but that was one one project we have a zen chill project coming out and, and most of those um albums are zen piano and zen piano is a translation of a six thousand year old language called the I Ching, and that's that's why uh, it kind of writes itself the way i look at it it was written 6,000 years ago. I translate it. When Michelangelo would make a statue, he would say, I didn't make anything. All I did was remove everything that wasn't the statue. And the statue revealed itself. Yep. So I, kind of, I have the same approach. Like it's already there. 
And we call that addition through subtraction. And there's a great life teaching. Uh, and the life teaching is that it, we call it the sword and the flute. At any given time in your life, there's something you need to cut. There's something you need to drop. There's something that's weighing you down. And whatever it is, it could be a thought pattern. It could be a relationship. It could be 10 pounds. It could be a something big. It could be a business, uh, a, a big relationship, a small relationship. Or then we say, oh, if you're just so cool and your life is so together, maybe you just need a haircut. <laughs> cut your fingernails. I don't care what it is, but in any, every garden constantly needs to be cut. So there's something in your life you need to, you need to cut always. And the other metaphor is the flute, which means what in your life is working? What do you need to pump more life into? Because of all the things, there's usually at least an 80, 20, you know, if you're working on five things, one of them is probably working better than the other four. You know, you might have five properties and one of them is kicking butt and the other four, uh, maybe or three are okay. And one's weighing you down. I mean, I'm just making this up right here, but what is it in your life that you need to just breathe more, put more juice into, put more focus into? So that's the sword and the flute, because when we're first born, we're met with the sword and the flute is a metaphor. We're met with the flute is the breath. We take a breath and then the sword comes, cut the umbilical cord because the opposite of death is not life. The opposite of death is birth. Life has no opposite. So when you, with death, it creates a birth. Lightning hits a tree, boom, there's a death, but then there's this birth that happens as a result. So in your life, when you cut something, you have a death. I mean, maybe I'm overselling the drama here if I use the word death and ending, but if you like the metaphor, you cut it, but that gives room for something else to grow. And it ties into even what I was saying in the beginning with your thoughts, like most thoughts we don't need. So you drop your thoughts and it gives life to something new, something creative, something that you otherwise wouldn't have had if you didn't have the space for it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's cool. And I think the the Zen music, like the Zen piano thing, you know, so I listen to, you know, when I'm trying to focus or trying to get into flow or trying to get work done, I, I always liked music. Um, and somebody pointed me towards this app called brain.fm at one point, which is just like binaural beats that you yeah. put into your headphones. And, yeah. um, cause I would always, you know, I have a very interesting, almost eclectic taste of music, which is just like, I listen to everything pretty yeah. much. Um, yeah. you know, so my assistant used to make fun of me cause I'd be in here rocking out to like, you know, Mulan or Disney and then yeah. like. And then, you know, just like all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, one minute it's like metal and then the next minute it's like Mongolian throat singing and then, you know, I'll just whatever. Um, but I realized like anything with vocals throws you off. You can't, you can't really, it's hard to function if there's lyrics. Yep, you got your brain, it. Your brain wants to listen to the words. Even if it's, even you if it's it. in another language, you're trying to, you know. Um, and so when I was listening to years before the recording, I was like, oh man, I could totally totally listen to this while I'm working because it's, it, I mean, it's, ex it's exactly like what, you know, bring up where it's, it's totally out of mind, but like, if I don't, if it's quiet, my brain starts to wander. Yeah. But it's gotta be it's just non-lyrical, um, music, you know, classical music or, or, or something that, um, but yeah, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to check it out your YouTube channel. You, you, know, you know, and what you said is actually really, really profound that, if you're doing any type of meditation or any type of deep work, 
you don't want to listen to any music with lyrics in your native tongue or lyrics that you understand because that distracts you and it puts a voice, it puts someone else's thoughts in your head as opposed to having like your own thoughts or, you know, creating, you know, tapping into whatever you want to call it, universal thoughts or God thoughts or whatever word flow state, whatever word we want to use. Uh, so it's really profound because that's really true. And sometimes you, you go to a yoga studio and the, you know, and they blast some whatever music that has lyrics, it's the worst thing you can possibly do yeah. <laughs> in a yoga studio. Somehow a lot of the younger teachers nowadays lost that point. I see that everywhere. They do these playlists with everything with lyrics and it takes you completely out of the now and it takes you out of your, out of your body. Um, so then part of the Zen piano and I have a YouTube channel that uh, does that as well. And, and I have a bunch of stuff on it. I do new music Tuesday every new music on the YouTube channel. They're kind of longer, like three hour uh, songs, basically, that's really designed for the background. You put it, or that might be by the ocean or by the campfire. And it's designed to just drop you into the now. It's not designed to sit there and actively listen to it. It's more for your subconscious mind. While you're doing something else, you put it on and you just get a little more creative, a little more still, uh, you have almost, almost less thoughts or there's space, more space in your thoughts. And that's the reason that that, uh, music it was written for that purpose. So that's a, a real good observation. Well, I will be listening to that. Cause that's, yeah, most of my, when I'm thinking, I, I usually have that kind of music in the background, like those really long kind of, you know, just music playlists. So we'll, yeah. we'll be trying yours out this week. Um, okay. So. I know this is like a total left field shift and we'll probably come back to this, but, <laughs> but to, you know, this is a real estate podcast. So I got to yeah. ask, you got to tell me the story for it. Cleeter, right? Is that what it yeah. is? Yes. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, not only does he, you know, write a hundred albums and, and meditate and, and fight ninjas with swords and, and all the other stuff. Uh, but apparently he buys ghost towns. So yeah. Yeah, well, I've, I've been. I want to hear the story. <laughs> yeah, and I've I've always uh, played in real estate. Oh, okay. So cool. I I love I love real estate. Uh, playing it, I've won. I've had great successes in real estate. I've gotten my ass kicked a couple times. Yeah, me too. In oh well, you know you. No, the greatest champions of the world are not undefeated. <laughs> nope. Like whoever wins the World Series lost a lot of games winning the world. So in real estate, sometimes you get your ass just completely destroyed, and uh, it's happened to me. So I've had a few projects. I try to. I always try yeah. to remind my kids that I'm like, you know, the best the best baseball players in the world don't even get on base half the time. Like they're yeah, they bat like 300. You know, that, they that's they not they great. Fail seven out of ten times, yeah. <laughs> and they're the best in the world. Best in the world <laughs> at it. So sometimes in business is the same way, uh, and sometimes in real estate. What I said before, you might have a few different projects, and one just does really well. And here's the funny thing, is because I've had different projects that it wasn't like I was super smart in this one project that worked, and I was super stupid in this other project. No, I put the same amount of mind and carefulness and consideration. And guess what? One of them, I got lucky. The other one, I got unlucky. Oh, I love no that. figure. I love that so much because survivor bias is so real. And I, I love when we see people get like super successful and people are like, oh my God, they did all these things. And it's like, other people did those same things. Yeah, didn't that's right. Like, that's right. It's just like the idea that like, you know, when you see somebody survive cancer and they went, 
they didn't do chemo. And it's like, well, obviously chemo doesn't work. It's like, well, here's people who survived cancer. They did do chemo. And the opposite's true on both sides. Like, and there's examples of that in every walk of life, like survivor biases is definitely something to be very aware of. It's so true. This was maybe two, three years ago. We we did this, we, we, we did this build, we did this flip and everything worked out perfectly in this flip. Uh, it was, we, we, we bought land, uh, we put up, we put up some prefabs and we sold them and this was, the market was hot and we bought the land before the market got hot. Uh, luck. <laughs> How do you even know? You know, and we put in these orders for these prefabs before all the prices doubled before the pandemic. Luck. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then we sold them and then our profits were, I think three times higher than we projected we, our profits, our profits going to be. And I have a friend of mine who's been a builder for 25 years or so. I mean, he built mansions, he builds everything. The man's brilliant. And I love what he said to me. He said, Jason, just make sure don't confuse luck with skill. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he was so right. I mean, we had to be skilled. We had to pull it off. We had to, there was a lot of skill that was included or that, that happened. But then what happened is then two years later, two, three, whatever it was, market conditions changed. And then, then actually this silly thing we wound up just selling the land because it didn't make sense to put the house on it everything changed and so okay and and we had our run and we did good on most of them the land we lost a little bit of money but whatever we won the game and so we lost on that but again it comes down to market conditions yeah it was and 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 people were it was three percent interest rates at the time so everyone was buying people were uh you know and we could you know charge market rates were high at the time is the is the point but okay so that's back back to the real estate so one of our projects this this came about maybe a year and a half ago i saw a news article for a town for sale cleeter arizona i thought wow a town is for sale how funny i didn't i didn't even know you could buy a town and so i copied the link and i sent it to joe polish who runs the the genius network i'm a member of genius network and i said want to buy a town ha 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 it was a joke Immediately, he texts me back, well, maybe. I'm like, what? I don't want to buy a town. What am I going to do with a town? What do I know about running a town? What does it even mean, running a town? You know, and then six months later, eight, I think eight months later, we bought the town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, it, it, uh, uh, some of the considerations, because and, and there's uh, two other partners, uh, Michael Leone and Ben Hoody are the, uh, the partners in the town. And as we were thinking about circling the wagon, you know, as we're thinking, do we, yes, no, yes, no. Do we, do we do it? One thought I had, well, it's about an hour from my residence. So how many times in a life or how many opportunities do you have to purchase a town that's one hour from your residence? I figured one at most. Yeah. Like if I passed on this, then not likely I would have that opportunity again. So we, we purchased the town and so what does that even mean? So the, the, the first, like, like when you're going through real estate, here's what I find. And I, I was taught this by people a lot wealthier than, than me with real estate. The first thing you determine, you do all your analysis and then you come up with, do I acquire the asset? Yes or no? Simple. And if the answer, obviously if the answer is no, then you move on. If the answer is yes, then full steam ahead all locked and loaded, get it, get the asset, acquire the asset. Cause even acquiring Cleeter, there's a whole drama backstory. It wasn't so easy. We had a guru on our team who knows real estate much better than I do, who is the one that actually had to acquire it. 
Um, that took some, some skill. And I got to learn and watch during, during that whole ordeal. And then once we acquired it, this was very unique getting a town. Usually if you acquire a piece of real estate, you kind of know what you're going to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> so this was a little unique. We didn't really know what we were going to do. It's just like, okay, just get it and figure it out. And it's going to be a blank slate. Like we're going to just have a, like an artist uh, or Joe likes to call it a skunk works project where we're just going to figure it out as we go and just make it up as we go along. And that's what we've been doing. And so what we've been doing in the town, it was an old ghost town, uh, a handful of residents, 18 structures. Uh, there's a bar, an active bar. There's a, a store. There was an old schoolhouse that hadn't been used since the forties in the schoolhouse and about 14 other structures. Uh, that are there of houses and people were renting it out. And, and and so what we've been doing is restoring it. We, you know, graded this whole area. We are restoring right now. There's a team up there restoring the schoolhouse. There's all this old mining equipment that's just out laying about. Amazing what these people used to do for mining, the physical manual labor that they had to do for the mining. So we're turning all the mining pieces into artwork and we're building this giant fence with all these mining pieces in front of it. So when you drive up, there's a... Uh, there's a massive piece of art and we're restoring the schoolhouse and we've already done events there, kind of burning man ish type events oh, cool. that we're, that we're doing there. Um, there's a live bar. So if you go there in the summer, it gets a little hot, so it's not as busy, but in the winter, if you go there on a Saturday, you'll see 300 people there hanging out in the bar. So it's a very active ghost town. So when we say, when we say ghost town, because it's right on the way ge uh, geographically to another town called crown King, if you're not in this area, that won't mean anything, but it, you, have, you have to pass through Cleeter to get through, to get to Crown King. And so there's massive, there's hundreds of cars going by it and, and ATVs. It's a dirt road. It was in the old railroad is what it, what it was. And we were the uh, first ever to get water. 700 feet down, we got water. We inherited a old contract with the United States Forest Service designed by pre-World War II railroad engineers, three miles of pipe, somehow almost duct taped together, like one inch pipe uphill. I don't even, it's, it's a miracle. I look at it, it's like, this shouldn't work. This defies the law of physics and somehow it's worked for a hundred years, really. Uh, it goes uphill, it's not potable water, but it was giving some type of water. Uh, but but we, got, we got real water on our first try. I don't know if you've ever dug a well. <laughs> we, dug I'm, on, I'm on well water. Okay. You know, I wouldn't so, dig it, but I mean, it's there. Well, we, we got it. And so we're doing all these projects with it. So that's the dirt, dirt project. But then we're doing other creative projects. We're the first town ever to have an NFT. We had a successful NFT launch. Uh, we have the town in virtual reality. As far as I know, it's the first town to ever be in virtual reality. <laughs> we are starting, uh, should be later on this year, a, a, sh a Cleeter Sheriff Department. And here's a teaching of the sheriff. Okay. There's an old concept. It's called the three treasures. I mean, if you Google the three treasures, once you get past Pirates of the Caribbean, you'll, you'll find this. And it very simply means we're made up of three things, matter, energy, and consciousness. So for example, matter is everything you can see, touch, and feel. The energy is breath, emotion, chi, prana, ki, Ghee, bioelectrical energy, like all the things that run in that range. And then the consciousness is the eternal I am. So if we have H2O, well, it so shows up in ice, water, and vapor, solid, 
you know, solid liquid vapor. And so it's the same idea. So we're the same construct, but there's a physical component to us. There's like an emotional component. And then we can say spiritual component, or even if we want to get less esoteric, just say the thoughts. So, so we have those three, those three building blocks, but it's all the same matter because it's all, it's all us. Well, five points in a sheriff badge. And the sheriff is traditionally the protector of persons and property. Okay, we all get that. However, pain doesn't always come from a bad guy trying to attack you. It can come from stress. It can come from emotional imbalance. It can come from mental turbidity. So the true warrior defends on all fronts. And so on the back of the sheriff badge is the five elements, what we spoke about before, wood, fire, earth, metal, water, which is the metaphor for protecting on, on all fronts. So it's a different kind of town, different kind of sheriff, different arrangement of how we're, uh, how we're organizing this oh, town. I, <laughs> I like it. That's pretty rad. We'll have to come through. Is uh, And I'll admit, uh, we're making all this up as we go along. That's the other part of it. Ge geographically, is Cleeter, so I'm trying to think, I feel like I've been through Crown King. Is that like uh, up towards the mountains, like east, northeast of Phoenix? Yeah, if you go you go up to Phoenix, like right in the middle of Phoenix, it's called the I-17, and you get off on the Bumblebee exit, which uh, you are going west. So it's west of the I-17, like kind of northwest. 12 miles of dirt road and you're there. And it's a really cool thing because it, 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 you know, if you show up with a six shooter and spurs, you'll fit right in. And when you go up to crown King, it's a very famous mountains, the Bradshaw mountains, you're going up a switchback, which was the old railroad. So you're going up this ancient railroad. They took out the railroad and there's some points, there's one point where I don't know, it, only one car fits in, in the road at a time. So if a car is coming the other way, you have to stop. And you can see where they blast it out with dynamite. So the, the rock just goes straight up the sides. It's really cool. And it's, it's so beautiful. And you feel like you're in a hundred years, a uh, hundred years ago. That's awesome. I'm trying to figure out if I've actually driven through here, but I can't, I don't know. I've driven through some pretty interesting places in Arizona. I do a lot of road tripping and I've come. You might've though. If you the, yeah. Crown, Crown King is, uh, the elevation is high. It's around 5,000 feet yeah. in Crown King. So you have to go up the mountain. Yeah. I've been I've been all over Flagstaff and Phoenix and a bunch of mountains around, so there's a pretty good chance. So. I have a feeling you might have stopped for a uh, stopped at the Cleeter Bar. It's called the Cleeter Bar and <laughs> if, Yacht Club. Like, if if not, I will now. I'm, <laughs> That's I'm right. Swing through it. I'm going to be like, I know the owner. Well, <laughs> or at least the I, I, I don't know what your your official title is. Oh, uh, you can say sheriff, a title or owner. Yeah, well, I'm the sheriff. Yeah, uh -huh. Sheriff Jason. <laughs> Joe Polish is the mayor. Oh my gosh, that's so, I, I have a new goal now. I, I, my goal was to build it by an island, but now it's just a. I just want to be my own sheriff. <laughs> sheriff Dave. <laughs> that's, well, we'll make you a deputy. We have the, that's that's coming up next year with the uh, with the department. We have badges and everything. We have it all, all 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 set up. That's I love it. That's that's super cool. I mean, and the the thing is, like, it's just it's just fun. That's what's yeah. Cool. It's just fun. Yeah. You can make like the thing that everybody hates about like government and cities and towns and whatever, like none of that matters because you guys are running the show and you could just like, yeah, like we're going to have fun. Who cares? Yeah. Like whatever. <laughs> well, it, the town is older than the state. Wow. And so the town was founded in 1864. Arizona was incorporated in 1912. 
So that, so it's, I mean, boy, that is a whole other discussion, the legal rights and the legalities of it. And it's back and forth from, from county viewpoint. Oh no, we're in charge from, you know, but we have a, it's, it's almost like a native American land, how there's different types of rights, because it is going into a, what's called a land patent as opposed to a deed. And a patent is like pre-incorporated of the state. And I think, I forget which president signed the, the land patent of Cleter. So that's a whole, it's a whole legal discussion, but then you get into you know, how much do you want to fight the County and claim your rights first, just deal with them and become friends with them. So there's always that balance of, uh, uh <laughs> you're like, we just want to serve alcohol and have our own sheriffs leave us alone. That's right. We just, it, we want to truly turn the town into a place of, of good. Uh, Joe has a whole, uh, foundation that, uh, like genius foundation of, uh, Art for Addicts, Artists for Addicts. And so we're doing all types of, we'll have art shows uh, that we'll do up there. We have, again, back to the Burning Man-ish shows that we'll have, we'll, we'll have events because we have this whole area. We can handle a thousand people um, in that area. And then we're fixing up this old schoolhouse. We found all old like voting booths from the 40s in the schoolhouse. We found old superintendent notices we did. And even when we were building it, there was this long wire or this long pole up the side of the uh, house, of the side of the schoolhouse. And the contractor said, you know, that has no purpose. I'll, why don't I just take it down? Or the, the, the builder. And I'm thinking, no, just, well, just wait, don't do anything yet. What is that? We couldn't figure out what it was. Finally, we figured it out. It was the old telegraph pole. So I said, oh no, we're keeping that. I'm not cutting down a telegraph pole. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. I, I don't even have a fax machine anymore. A <laughs> telegraph pole. When's the last time you saw one of those? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so cool. I can see it all now with the county. You guys are going to end up being like, all right, look, we'll pay taxes. Your sheriffs can show up and arrest people. We just want to party. All right. Just right. Just leave us alone. <laughs> Oh man, the new hoodlums in town. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I have a friend who owns a missile silo in Kansas, and so I can just envision. Oh, like, cool! At some point in life, one of us is going to try to like, ooh, a town, because <laughs> um, they have. You know, he's got like this this Atlas missile silo or whatever. But then there's these there's these other there's all these different types of missile silos that were built, and there's this one type that has like three different. They had three different silos and like a mile of tunnels between them all and like a barracks. And like, in theory, you, if you can get a hold of one of those silos, then you can turn it into like it, an Airbnb with like three different underground silos and like all these different tunnels you can like drive through. And like I'm, I, my wheels, when I saw that, I was just wheels are turning. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to buy one of those someday and like build my own little underground village. <laughs> I, now I see when we started this, uh, conversation. I didn't know that I wanted a missile silo. Now I want a missile silo. <laughs> like when I woke up this morning, I didn't know that was on my list. Now it's on my list. Oh, this thing's crazy. It's uh, my most viral video on TikTok. It's me running around with a beer showing off his silo. Oh, wow. Um, it goes like 18 stories underground. And he's, yeah, there's some dude who turned him into a bunch of like uh, survival condos and sells them for like a half a million a pop. Yeah. And he's got like 13 condos and one silo or something like that and it's kind of crazy what you can do with them but air, uh, my buddy's just just planted airbnb it and uh yeah it's, it's it's pretty pretty wild pretty pretty cool yeah well that's actually really cool and, and let me also i i, I will uh i'm mean, perhaps 
our the I'm I'm gonna speak to speak to our listener right now. <laughs> And of a little reminder, and we're talking about this crazy stuff in towns and silos and real estate and all these things. Well, let's remember that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And it's very easy, like, well, that, that that's it. When you compare, you tend to get upset. There's a, the, the joke is, uh, what is it? Instagram makes you depressed and Twitter makes you angry. And you go on to Instagram and get depressed. And I, I remember... I have a, a, a friend of mine, she's very, very smart. She's an investor, very, very successful. She grew up in a third world country, very, very poor. Like her and a lot of sisters shared this little room, tiny room. They didn't have any stuff. And she said to me, it's an interesting story. She said, you know what? I didn't realize I was poor until later on in life. I didn't feel poor. I had my sisters, I had my family, I had everything and we just did our stuff. And I didn't realize it, which is an interesting thing because she had no contrast. I think about a kid today in that same situation, they get on Instagram and they see these people trying to show off and say, oh, look at me and look at all my things. Look at how important I am because I have possession of things. And then all of a sudden you feel worse because you don't have all those things. And hey, there's always someone that has more things, more stuff, more toys, more whatever than you. And there's always people that have less things, toys, stuff, and whatever than you. And ultimately, like the the mastery and you know, kind of emotional mastery, Zen mastery is whatever. Build your own thing, build your own world, okay? And whatever your world is, because okay, I was taught this as a child. And go with me here. This is not my shirt. It's the shirt I wear. I don't mean legally. Legally, sure. It's my shirt. Okay. I know it's mine, me, mine. But at some point, me and this shirt are going to part ways. Okay. This isn't my house. It's the house I live in. Again, not legally. It's not my town. I guess it's the town I run. I guess what we <laughs> say. Or it's the town I, whatever, I play in. It's not my car. It's the car I drive, but then we can even take it a step further and we can say, it's not my body. It's the body I live in because at some point you give it back. It's a rental. You don't own anything. You don't own shit from a spiritual viewpoint that again, not legal. And so all your things, all your stuff, all your possessions, you got to make sure that you own them and they don't own you. Because I know people and I train people. I train people that have a lot more zeros on their balance sheet than I do and are a lot less happy. When mm. we all tend to think if I could only double my income and add a zero to my net worth, then I'd be happy. Bull. Nonsense. I've never seen it happen. You have to find the, the not even joy. Ha happiness is a weird thing because you chase happiness. And, and if you're always happy, you're never happy. So you need a little dollop of its opposite of, of whatever word we want to use for the opposite of happiness to create happy. Show me somebody that's always happy. So you can't be always happy, but you can be present and you can be peaceful. So you can have the, the, the silence or the stillness that's underneath the emotion, the happy, sad, up, down, high, low, angry, grief, worry, and all that stuff. Because we all have them. And I have all those emotions. You have to. There, there's anyone that tells you they, they don't, 
either a complete psychopath like a lizard, <laughs> a reptile, <laughs> trying to sell you something. Oh, no, really? You'll just be happy all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Or it's completely delusional. So, no, I've been practicing this decades. I still have the ups and the downs. It's, it's going to happen. But when you can find the stillness underneath, you can have the peace. And then the game of form... Of, of gain and loss is, is a game. And here's how I was taught. I was taught as a kid. I had a Zen master say to me, he taught me the laws of abundance and the laws of wealth. And this is what he told me. Sometimes pond full, sometimes pond empty. Pond full, okay. Pond empty, okay. And he walked, he left. <laughs> he let, let me contemplate that teaching. <laughs> And it's really profoundly true of just, can, can you stay steady? The game of gain and loss of, you know, you have successes, you have lot, whatever, just stay steady, stay and it's and, and at some point you give it all back. At some point you give your body back, you give all your stuff back. So as you accumulate stuff, let's be smart to have smart real estate deals, smart, build abundance, build your sanctuary, build your lifestyle. Absolutely. Of, of, of course, what else are you going to do? But can you have the peace underneath and at the same time, well, remember to include you in your portfolio because we train people that again are very, very wealthy, but a lot of them forgot to include themselves in their portfolio. And the person with good health has a thousand wishes. The person with poor health has one wish. Yeah, man, that's good. And that's such an important lesson. Uh, I mean, all of that really, but to sum it all up, you're right. Comparison is the thief of joy. I mean, that's, that's it. Just, just be present. Yeah. About be present and also with a, a dollop of gratitude. Yeah. And it's gratitude. funny, even, even if your life is a, if your life is a shit show, okay, guess what? All lives are shit shows. And, and every life has some part that it's a shit show and everyone does it. Yeah. I've never seen it that it's not. And, and usually when someone tells you it's not, they're trying to sell you something. And then it's, then it's dark and it's disingenuous. No. Or tell you that a business, I, I had one of my, one of my students, she was really frustrated because um, whatever, because of her business and some things didn't go right and everything. She's like, I just want it to run smoothly. You know, when is it, when is it ever, when is there ever not problems? I said, well, it's kind of like the saying, okay, let me back up. Don't worry about being at one with the universe. You have death and all of eternity to be at one with the universe. Enjoy your separateness now. And with separateness comes issues. So when is a business ever all set? It's not. When are you ever all set? You're not. Get my cars in the shop. I drive a Raptor. Some stuff, I blew some stuff out. Guess what? And it's, it's always, I mean, it's good. Then it comes out and then something else will blow out and I go in the shop. Well, guess what? We're in the shop. I have to get a crown in my tooth. So I was like, wow, I'm in my raptors in the shop. Then I got to go to the shop. They're going to drill in my tooth into, into a crown. It's like all form constantly falls apart because we all suffer from the same fate of impermanence. And, and that's okay. That's the beauty of it. That's, that's, that's where you find the joy. If there was no impermanence, you couldn't have the joy. You see, the only reason the Super Bowl works is because there's a built-in tragedy. 
what are you going to do? Give two teams participation trophies? No, for one team, it's the most greatest, glorious, we did it, blah, blah, blah. But for the other team, it's more tragic for the team that loses the Super Bowl than for the team that comes in last place. Yep. Far more tragic. But it only works. The triumph only works with the tragedy. You can't have, you know, so it's like a, in uh, comics, uh, the, the superhero only works with the supervillain. Mm. What do we call a superhero with no supervillain? A weirdo in tights. <laughs> the other answer to that is unemployed. Yes. <laughs> so everything needs its opposite. You have to have that. And that's just the pol polarity of life. That's the laws of nature that we have. So back to just having things. Don't be moved by things. Like, like accumulate your stuff, build your sanctuary. Um, sometimes you might have situations where you have too much stuff. And then I call that conquering more than you can occupy. You conquer more than you can occupy. I once in my life, I had a 7,500 square foot house. For some people, you might think that's a big house. For some people, you might think it's a small house. What I learned when I had a 7,500 square foot house is I don't need a 7,500 square foot house. It was too big. I, I wound up being rooms I never used. I, I like I, I conquered more than I could occupy. And so, no, I, I, I have a smaller, I'm happier in a smaller, in a smaller place. 4,100 square feet. That's where I live now. That's perfect for me. But even then I have a room. I have a four-year right there next door. It is, or it's a beautiful place outside, but I'm never in it. Only time I'm in it is to like clean it. <laughs> silly analogy, but or silly example, but conquering and occupying. So you don't need to keep having more and more and more. You just figure out what you're enough. That's the, that's the bottom line. Figure out what your enough number is. Remember comparison is the thief of joy. No, I love it. I love it. It is, it is awesome. And that being said, we are right around the hour mark. So where can people get a hold of you if they'd like to reach out? Well, for one, you got to plug your YouTube channel because yeah. I'm not the only one who's going to want to listen to your music. Um, and I'm going to obviously link it in the show notes. But outside of that, where can people get a hold of you if they'd like to learn more about your meditation practices? Okay, YouTube is a real easy one. Jason Campbell Zen Music at YouTube. Uh, you can go to zenpiano.com. There's information there. There's also the training. You go to zenwellness.com. Uh, let's see, some other ones. Cleater. You can go to what's your cleater, C-L-E-A-T-O-R. And the what's your cleater is a metaphor of doing something that you're, uh, is beyond your comfort zone. That's what we call it. And we have the whole NFT. We have all, all the cleater work uh, that we do there. So that's a, that's a good start. Those, uh, and we didn't even talk about the ranch. We have a 400 acre ranch that we do our, our training at. Oh, my God. Well. Let's maybe do that next time. We'll talk about some of the cool stuff we're doing in there. I love real estate. So this is a good... Real estate and guns are two things I really like. <laughs> you and I both. So we're, I'm in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we'll be back on. We'll, we'll talk about the ranch for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Jason, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun, David. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.